0: Welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series, episode 17, with independent learning tech analyst, John Lee. Today, I interview Tamara Lee, director of Authentic Learning Labs about modern systems analytics, AI, machine learning, and predictive analysis. You can find more of our content at talentedlearning.com. Well, Happy New Year. This is the first podcast of 2019, and well, like always, I'm excited for today's interview. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning solutions. From both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives. Today, from the vendor expert side, my first ever return guest is Tamara Lee, director of Authentic Learning Labs. Welcome, Tamer. Welcome back. Uh, thanks, John. It's an honor and pleasure. <laughs> I didn't you. know I had that title. The, great. The, the first, first one ever. You, you can put that on your LinkedIn. You know, That's great. That, That's that, great. that, that and twenty five cents will get you nothing. <laughs> I need something like that. <laughs> well, Tamer is a long term. Uh, learning systems expert and an educational technologist, always pushing the edge in extended enterprise learning and continuing professional development learning. He's designed and built and opera- operationalized multiple learning software products, and you're currently working on a next-generation learning analytics uh, platform or application uh, we'll talk to you about today. So, uh, Cameron, why don't you set the stage for us? You've been thinking about learning data and analytics uh for as long as I've known you, which is at least five years now. You know what challenges? You know what's the current state in the marketplace, and what challenges do you see with uh, learning analytics? And what does learning analytics mean? That's that's a lot for a first question, but why don't you start there?
1: Well, it's a, it's a great question, I mean, and that's one of the challenges that many people have that question. And our, our challenge has been that we saw a marketplace that, with very good intent, was creating really good learning material in many cases in education courses, and what the challenge was is they weren't building a practice across any industry uh, concentration field um, in the education, training, and learning and development space. We saw even publishers that were not defining a practice of measuring uh, the performance, even though that is one of our uh, key objectives is assessment and um, impact of learning. Uh, very little uh, tracking of that learning was done a, or has been done. In a more methodical way um, so we thought of authentic analytics as a way to help support learning and development and training publishing organizations track their learning in a more efficient turnkey manner did not see a lack of tools out there there are organizations even the ones that are using our platform now that um, have the tools in place like very good ones like tableau and and power bi for microsoft but um, there was a lack of resources either dedicated to it, a lack of attention dedicated to it, or, you know, a combination. Um, so um, th- that's that's what we saw in the marketplace, and Authentic Analytics is really trying to solve for that challenge. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, many of us that have worked in the, the LMS space will say, well, geez, there's been reports for years. You know, we know who's taken content, who's registered, who's completed. You know, what analytics would be, you know, what's incremental to that? That uh, you would need to go to outside platforms like yourself or, or Tableau. What, what, what's missing in the in the current
1: uh, environments? I think there's a differentiation, and some of the experts out there. You know, we, we we look at what the differentiation is. Is that there? Like you said, there are uh, there are systems out there that are reporting. The business intelligence space was fairly popular for the last ten years of pulling in data. You know, you people would want to put it into access or crystal reports, Uh, but they're fairly low, uh, low density, uh, uh, low impact in that, yes, they're providing the reports, but uh, those reports could be in unmanageable formats or just tons of data that was just placed onto a chart or in spreadsheets that really didn't give you the quick business insights. And I think that's where we differentiate with analytics. And Authentic Analytics is trying to bring in insights and help decision-making. So it's trying to answer the key questions that we can envision and what we're hearing from our clients, whether it's, you know, when is the best time of the year to market and uh, promote courses? Uh, What are the courses and topics that are of interest and which ones are of declining interest? We're trying to uh, equip and inform learning and development and publishing like other tools have informed fields like marketing and uh, sales performance. We feel that learning and development has uh, equal rights to that claim, and so we're trying to give them a specialized tool set. Uh, we're not giving something that hasn't been introduced to other markets. We're trying to bring in analytics to the learning and development a- space, which we think is missing.
0: Wow. Well, why wasn't a system that that provide the next level of, of learning analytics Developed before now, has there been some sort of restrictions technologically, or why do you think that that hasn't happened? If it's happened in in all the other industries,
1: it's it's a great it's a great point. I think it's it's probably that um, people are using tools already, but they the the progression has been, and as we mature as users of these platforms, we realize that you, you need specialization because the industry requires it. You know, so there are very good tools. Uh, but they may have prohibitive limitations in some way. For example, very good tools like Tableau and Power BI have license prohibitions that pretty much restrict the access to these tools to a certain select set of people. But if you're talking to a publisher or an education organization like an association um, or a publisher that has multiple product owners and uh, product managers, it becomes very expensive to scale that license out to different people. You're having to pay the license to author these reports and then distribute the access to view those licenses. So they're different. Further, you've got to invest in the hardware and the to put this in. One is the software, the, the visualization software. The other one is you have to have a data warehouse to compile all this data. And this is this is further complicated with the benefits of our advancements in learning tech, you know, the, the movement of the XAPI uh, standard and, and the growing adoption just increases that data set in, in multiple folds. So where do we put all this data is one challenge. Who's going to manage all that data is a second. The third is what are the tools that we use at the third. And, you know, probably fourth is who can afford the attention to give this and build the practice around it. So these complications in any of those combinations, we see in small to big organizations. We didn't see it prejudiced to a certain size of organization. We just saw that anyone had these challenges and we said, well, it's incumbent on us as learning practitioners to justify our ex- existence in our space by creating a tool and a tool set and even, even the practitioners to support it. So we, we kind of consider ourselves like a BI team in the cloud and an analytics team in the cloud for these organizations that we work with. Mm-hmm. You know, all that
0: sounds great. Uh, but pretty complex. Does does training and development teams and associations, you know, have the skill sets to uh I don't know, to do this kind of stuff? It seems seems incremental to a, a typical uh educational
1: professional skill set. They do to review this content. They don't have the resources. They they may have the wherewithal and the capabilities to build these dashboards, but they're so busy themselves. Mm-hmm. Kind of strategizing on learning. Building out new products, analyzing the performance—that's enough of a full-time job. To then add another layer of it would be complex. And then you know that either they have to do it or they have to go to the IT team, and the IT team is already stretched with strategic you know proje- proje- projects from you know the initiatives that they work on. So what happens is nobody addresses it. So the the the, the goal is to build uh simple enough and intuitive uh, intuitive enough um, dashboard. Anybody adopt them very quickly and within seconds, they can make uh, projections and develop business insights from these reports. They are not meant to be complex in the use of them uh, by the common consumer. And that's really the challenge that we face that we're taking on is we'll take the unstructured data. You know, we'll take all the sources of those data and we'll put them in these dashboards so that you're, you're not doing that. You're not reviewing you know, a a real case study is uh, an organization that was trying to justify the impact it had on assessments. Uh, They took, uh, they gave us uh, five years of data, which was thousands and thousands of rows. If you put this in an Excel spreadsheet with the business intelligence tool, it wouldn't do you any good. You would have to spend even weeks on analysis from, you know, either experts and psychometricians and also people who just know database queries. What we did was in one visual if you could just imagine a visual, like a, a line graph of performance, one line was the line of pre-testing, and one was post-testing of an aggregate of probably uh, 30,000 or 40,000 test attempts. But very clearly in one visual, that was probably the width of a page and the height of a half of a page, that you could summarize thousands and thousands of rows of data. And so we put we put the insights in their hands so they the, the, the further analysis of, okay, what, what tests are working, which ones are not within seconds, instead of spending all the labor. And it's really labor at that point to put that together.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there is, you know, you spent your whole life, uh, professional life, or at least, uh, the last part of it here, working in extended corporate extended enterprise, Application and the technology, and also you know, working for for-profit e-commerce-driven you know associations or continuing education providers selling content and certification and test prep. Does the analytics tool also have a focus uh, towards the extended enterprise and and making money side of learning technology, or is it applicable across you know broader scenarios, including like I don't know, academic
1: and and employee com. Uh, compliance and so forth. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's a good differentiation, John. I mean, I think, uh, in, in the, in the current state of where the, the, the platform is with authentic is it is currently probably best suited for organizations that are, uh, distributing content to a, an audience, uh, multiple types of audience and groups, whether they're promoting it and selling it or, uh, Promoting it for, you know, as a benefit to a membership, uh, or they're selling it because it's one of their products. Just because the motivations are there to pursue analytics more, uh, we do think that uh, this has applicability, and we've had interest in adoption by people who are looking at it inwardly for employee use. But the the parameters, the metrics, and even the motivation for that um, may already be addressed by. Other tools right now, so I do think um, it's more applicable to uh, extended enterprise publishers and people who are trying to der- derive either a business out of learning or uh, a mission based organization. Mm-hmm. Who would be um,
0: who? Who would be the day to day user uh, of your product? What, what, what would it be a, a job title or job titles of somebody that would? Um, Maybe not necessarily buy it, but who would who would be using it? What would that person? Be? We know
1: this. We know this firsthand, and it's interesting because it like it's uh, essentially two or three tiers, or at least not tiers. I don't want to mention hierarchy, but basically three types of users. One is the day to day person who is creating and overseeing learning material, and that could be the administrator to the platform or someone who is authoring directly. Mm-hmm. That's one, and that's one key user. And that we've heard that this person. Uh, the role type is uh, visiting multiple times per day uh, because the data is refreshed every day. Um, so it's it's, it's re- new data uh, and fresh data. Uh, two is the pro- product owners, the people who are in the capital monitoring multiple products within an umbrella of maybe a classification type, a category. So, you know, is it someone who owns the product skills for the business line, someone who owns the compliance library, those people come in at that level, either receive the data from the dashboards from an administrator or go in themselves. Again, because of our license flexibility, they're not restricted so they can go in directly, which we hear. That. And the third is the overall owner, the stakeholder executive who can also go in there and have an executive level dashboard to see or get that feedback on a daily basis from our, our other two roles. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. those are the three people we heard. Now, those people can typically be in education, but we've seen some overlap with IT supporting that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And education and
1: product management. Sorry.
0: And product management. And who would be the ultimate buyer? Would it be the same people or would it be at that executive level?
1: We're so. seeing ex- executive level uh, support. Uh, the buyer typically is the the person could be uh, the person that the, uh, the, the, the executive stakeholder is promoted as the, um, the person who will be the liaison, uh, but the signature and the approval is usually really the executive stakeholder. So I think the buyer is both mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because both of them have perspectives that need to be served on the platform. Uh, we can't be highly technical and have all these filters and stuff without having the capability of just pure simple outputs for an executive or C-level. But we also need someone to have the ability to drive down and say, what if I filter this report by this time time segment, by this type of person within this tag tag or category of content? What do I get? So we need both of those. And it's kind of dichotomous, that type of uh, perspective.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Digging deeper here from a, a technology perspective, you mentioned earlier on in the conversation about XP, XAPI and that providing really a, a massive of data now that's really helped driving uh, you know the evolution of technology or the innovation of of technology uh, like you're describing. One, what does that mean? Uh, just for uh, uh, for folks that aren't from the the employee uh, learning technology side of the house, what does XAPI mean and what kind of data is that? And well. And, and two, yeah. Well, why don't we start there? I'll, I'll follow up after that. Just give us a brief it, summary of what that means.
1: It's it's um the X is for experience, I think, and we just uh, we love acronyms and uh, made it shorter. So instead of experience, we put it X as in the letter within experience API. And really, it's an evolution. What's well, not even an evolution? I would consider a radical jump from the current and um, legacy learning standards. We've had learning standards that really equate to ways that content could be created once and be interoperable in multiple platforms. Very much like if John, you and I are neighbors, I wish I lived near you, but uh, I don't. But if we were neighbors, uh, you know, let's say we had DVD players and I love the movie Shawshank Redemption and I love Star Wars and you, you you have one and I would want to borrow that DVD. We can borrow and play these, because our uh, players are standardized on the dvd standard that dvd standard equivalent in our space would be swarm x api takes a little bit further and says what if we could make content speak to the learning systems or the records keeper of data in a much more rich fashion and talk about all the things that someone did in a course or a learning activity and that's where the experience experience APIs. it's let's say, you know, I created an automotive training exercise where I have an engine, a new new Tesla engine, and Tesla Motor Company wants to train their new um China operations on how to, you know configure this this um the robot to design this machine and engine properly. And I wanna make sure I track everyone and every part of that engine um assembly and fine tuning. X API defines a way for uh, these, these learning materials to communicate each one of those experiences back to uh, a, essentially a, what they call a learning record store or a database of record that would, would capture all that. Now, now the challenge is that, that data now has to be of, uh, presented in a way that people can use it in actionable ways. It, but the good thing is that, that our, our movement is, is advancing towards a direction of richer experiences, uh, no pun intended, and also tracking of much more uh, robust data. And so that's, that's what XAPI is trying to do is it's taking the learning standard and saying, okay, we're not just saying someone completed a course, what did they do in that course? Did they fine tune this engine? Did they, did they check the spark plug? Did they um, operate step one, two, and three in the right order? Those things to be tracked in, in the, uh, the, the new current uh, advanced standard. Uh, adoption is still happening it's not widespread adoption but it's certainly something that everyone should note of and consider in their product development plans.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. So if i understand you, uh, xapi will allow us to get to that granular that granular information that just uh, wasn't accessible before but even if organizations track that they don't have anything they don't know what to do with that data and authentic labs authentic labs and would basically take and analyze and make that data useful in, in a way for those three different types of users. That's correct.
1: No, that's, that's much better than what I said, John. It's exa- exactly right. So let's say, you know, now the major authoring tools and any if you create custom tools, uh, custom courses out of your own um, um, code, those are uh, outputting XAPI uh, data. So, for example, the big tools, you know, we're in a Coke and Pepsi world where articulate and captivate, dominate most of the content that's being developed that we see. Uh, th- those courses can communicate to the Authentic Learning Labs platform. We could capture that data and present it in visualizations that make sense for them. They've got this rich ca- capability of creating this data, um, but build on the c- courses that they they construct in the authoring tools but they also need a place to put that data and we're, we're offering that and the expertise to say, okay, well, you just created a custom course. It's got some very robust data that it's being presented. Let's, let's create a visualization that makes sense of all that in the dashboards and we can support that. Mm-hmm. So we are, a, a, you know, we, we are a learning, re, what, you know, what they're calling a learning record store. We have that and we're X API client in that we can take the X API and make sense of it and store it within the database mm-hmm. of authentic learning labs. Yep.
0: So the educational technologist and me is doing backflips saying, great, we get to, <laughs> you, you know, measure this and that and the other, you know, about the, the learning efficacy and, you know, how we can improve that in, in all the, the various ways. But the uh, the business guy in me is, uh, you know, saying, okay, well, what about incorporating things like, I don't know, point of sales systems or customer service applications or, you know, different business systems that have nothing to do with the learning. You know, even in your own example, like, can we see how many times, you know, those uh, mechanics that were changing that spark plug, uh, you know, had returns or, or customers come back, uh, you know, and so take that operational data to see if there's actually a line of connection uh, between the, the efficacy and actual business performance, do uh, do organizations do that do you, do you think like that and
1: yeah, we, we, we want to hear it more we we're actually we've actually gone beyond what we first are with, with uh, platforms you know that are completely related to learning to all the complementary tools so for example web analytics from google uh, oh, adobe yeah. analytics um, the crm system salesforce or in the association space they association specific crms called ams uh, we, we have that data now so we can correlate and cross you know you could, you connect those data points so can we see what type of audience member takes what type of course is an example a simple example or we can go the other way and say that anytime we see that the performance um, is dipping in in sales can we automate or help recommend content that's in the learning platform that can, can promote that skill or uh, advance that skill gap. Those are the things that we can do when we start looking at across the, the the platforms that uh, correlate with the experience is not just the learning platform. So this also breaks the barriers and it it, it avoids the island nature of learning platforms Mm -hmm. and starts, you know, talking about the promise that you mentioned, you know, where the business questions are answered hmm. So that, that makes perfect sense. So tell me how
0: tell me what AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning is, uh, you know, in a, in a couple of simple sentences and
1: how that impacts this whole discussion. Well, you know, it's it's not pixie dust anymore. The, the, a lot of people talk about these technologies, but they don't follow up with the details. The you know the mystical qualities, or you know the you know somewhat out, some people feel out of touch with these technologies because they seem so advanced and so out of reach. But on um, on the other hand, on the contrary, we actually uh, bring that and simplify it to say that you know it helps these organizations scale. For example, you know running uh, machine learning allows us to scan the the text responses and evaluations and assessment and we can actually score these categorically into positive, negative, and neutral feedback. So for an organization that's selling learning or promoting it to their members or customers, we know what's being favorably received, what's not, what kind of feedback is being given, and what words are being pronounced. So you know, for an organization, do the heavy lifting. And that's one phrase we try to use is to consider this as a heavy lifting that's being alleviated from your side and it's placed on the machines. And the machines are getting smarter to understand what feedback is positive and negative.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it gets smarter over time, though, so it's it, or do you have to continue to program it to get smarter. That's, that's the part I'm always missing here with machine learning.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the overall algorithms can get smarter because the people who are in charge of those algorithms are. And further, mm-hmm. you can also do the the machine learning tweaks that basically we can have c- c- control over that say, you know what, if someone says, um, you know, for a real example, we've seen something like no no feedback at this point, period. But if I did give feedback, I would say that the instructor was great. So how do you score that, (laughs) right? So that's, that's a partial positive and it's a partial neutral. So those are things that over time as we get more data, the data informs the machine, the persons running the machines to refine and polish the way we look at things. Very much like in the Netflix world, when Netflix started, you know, the recommendation algorithm was one way. They ran contests, a global contest, to see if people can improve recommendations, and then you know it goes back and forth. They, we we still learn how to refine these things, even when we have the power of these mach- machines to use them in the best way. The data is essentially the food that we need to then you know the bigger the data set, the better the performance of these machines.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. Any applications or uh, case studies? Um, you, you talked about assessments. You talked about uh, surveys. Uh, any other good applications uh, that uh, you've been tackling?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a departure. You mentioned in other systems. Uh, you know, we had a, a, a very large organization that uh, has challenges or or challenged us with their um, their event. Uh, so they they uh, do an event for uh, a registration alive of. And people register and then attend sessions at that event, almost like you would go to MacWorld or um, you know an annual uh, event like such, you know, that CES does, Consumer Electronic Show. And 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 at that event, people attend sessions and then provide feedback for those sessions. So it's a pool of data that's just sitting there that could be very valuable in terms of mining that data and getting content recommendations and also actionable um, steps after those people attend. And so we actually took that data. Uh, categorized that data to positive negative neutral also what what feedback was uh, provided uh, showed in visual ways what topics were more important than others and then we matched that to the learning data so we took the learning performance data that's in the the catalog of content in their learning platform and mapped it to the people who were live attending that their conference and found similarities and promoted and recommended, Next steps to people who attended certain sessions and those, those people, what likelihood they would have for content within the platform. So we're trying to merge the worlds that are two different. And, and what this organization had the challenge with is the audiences are radically different of going to the learning platform versus the live event. And they wanted to understand the, the, the motivations and also the gaps. And we were able to do that in a visual way within four or five images.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, even though this is on the cutting edge, uh, you know, what do you see coming down the pike?
1: What's, uh, you know, where's all, all of this going in a couple of years? We can, we can do this even faster, John. What we could do is just answer questions. What topics are seeing the issues, you know, what, what are showing poor enrollments, poor grades or declining activity, answering the questions that business people want. What similarities and people are not finishing courses. Do certain people have similar attributes in their profile, all, all of them Gen Xers or people on the West Coast uh, times of the year or the week that are better to promote and take content? Uh, wh- when people have had negative sentiment, are there in certain topics or certain times of the year? Uh, who has not done anything? What are the, who are the window shoppers? And are there common attributes to window shoppers that we can address? And are there, I mean, we do this right now, is can we mothball content that hasn't been touched in three months or four months? And uh, what are the topic areas that are, are somewhat uh, dated? These are the kinds of questions we want to answer. Other ones are on the score and the performance side. Who are the outliers? Uh, uh, wh- where are they performing strong or weak? Um, you know, the data that the psychometricians want. Those are things that we can do right now. And further is predictive analysis is helping the, the marketing of these, perform, these courses to perform better. And an example is we know the profiles of all these people. We're creating baseball card type profiles of these people. What are the topics of areas that they would be good at and what they would be interested in and what areas would be best to market to them? That we could do right now and that we're doing right now.
0: Wow. Wow. Sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. They've been doing this kind of stuff for years on the, the business side, but to see uh, to get pulled into to learning and learning analytics and uh, to making a difference, not only in the content and the programs and the efficacy, but then really as a business, how you can use this data to really drive everything you do from marketing to follow up uh, to ensure not only learners are getting the most value, but, um, you know, Organizations are from from their learning investments and uh, their learning technology investments. So, uh, Sage Insight uh, from uh, Tamer Ali, director of Authentic Learning Labs. Uh, this stuff is cool and only getting cooler. Uh, Tamer, thanks much for coming on uh-huh. the show a second time. Uh, it was great to <laughs> have. Thanks, you.
1: Jeff. All right, thanks. Always nice to talk to you.
0: <laughs> can't wait to have you back on. And uh, thank you, me too. Uh, can't wait to have you back on you. here in a few months and. And to see how this is all progressing, uh, this is stuff we've talked about for a long time in learning technology. It's it's nice to see it uh, being operationalized. Thank you, John. All the so, best to you. Thank you. So thank you, audience, uh, for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show podcast series. You can find more of our fiercely independent content at com. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you.